welcome to Love Through It. I'm your host, Liana Nielsen, former actress and comedian turned certified integrative nutrition health coach. I found my way here after spending my 20s getting sick and then learning how to heal myself from an autoimmune condition, depression, anxiety, and an eating disorder when countless doctors were no help. Combining both traditional and alternative methods, I found healing through a deeper mind-body connection. I am so excited to share what I've discovered with you. Here, I'll chat with friends, experts, and clients on how they love through their biggest challenges to build lives and bodies they love. You ready? Let's do this. Okay, I am so excited to introduce Trish Barillas. She has been a creator of positive change for the past 17 years. As a Latina life coach, her areas of expertise are anxiety, breakups, and job advancements. She is the author of the first ever Insta book, A Face of Anxiety, an autobiography of her journey living with anxiety and panic disorder. Trish is a thought leader in the wellness space, always advocating to break stigmas and empower others. Trish, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Great seeing you. I know it's been a million years. I (laughs) met Trish. Gosh, I don't know, like eight years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, when I was teaching uh, nutrition for performance and Maggie Flanagan and I was smitten right away. I was like, who is this woman? She is so fabulous. You've always been kind of an expander for me with your business. And I'd love to just get into a little bit of your backstory and how you became the, this amazing coach and author and speaker. Yeah, let's do it. So Growing up, I always knew that I was different, and I always knew that I I lived through the world uh, with a lot of suffering, right? But when you're young, you're like a fish in a fishbowl, so I didn't realize to the extent or the gravity of what I was experiencing was actually what people were not experiencing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until when I got to college and around that age of like 1920, when things were very impactful and my panic just skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. And I was studying psychology because again, those of us who uh, experience certain things and we, we go after it, right? Yeah. yeah. What is this? How does the brain work? Mm-hmm. And that was back when we had libraries and card catalogs and word <laughs> processors. So there wasn't a lot out there for me and my generation in mm-hmm. wellness, mm-hmm. right? So those who didn't understand do. So I studied it. And then it wasn't until I saw an infomercial, which that's what would pop up late at night. And it was like, <laughs> do you suffer from blah, blah, blah? Then this infomercial came on at like three in the morning and it said everything I was experiencing and I finally felt seen. So I jumped up and I ran into my parents' room and I said, I know what I have. There's a word for it. It's called anxiety disorder. And of course, I I mean, not of course, but I'm a, uh, a daughter of immigrants and they don't understand. And they were like, go back to bed. You're crazy. (laughs) And then finally I like connected the dots and I got an anxiety specialist. And that was the first kind of step into my journey. Mm-hmm. And then it was just an ongoing situation. I still didn't understand it though. Yeah. Because it takes a while to find the right therapist. And back then anxiety wasn't a term that we were familiar with. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until my late twenties um, that I started really understanding what it is I have, 
what were my options? Mm-hmm. And most of my therapists were trying to get me to take meds, but mm-hmm. my ego got in the way and I said, nope, mm-hmm. I can do it. I can handle it. I got this. And then my late 30s, I just realized this is not the way to live, yeah. right? It, yeah. it, was a way to, it was a way to suffer. Mm-hmm. And one, I was just doing a panel with a really good friend of mine, who's mm-hmm. uh, a doctor, and his statement was, uh, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Mm, and so my suffering, I realized then, was optional. And then I got the right psychiatrist, I got on meds, mm-hmm. and there lies my journey. And it was in my 20s where I was studying to be a child psychologist. Mm-hmm. And then I switched because I saw a life coach, mm-hmm. which back then was non-existent. Yeah. I was open to everything. Yeah. And my first session, he said, you know what? You should be a life coach. And it was just, it was, that was gosh, uh, 20 something years ago. And then that was it. And I never looked back. And I That's, went to NYU and I uh-huh. studied, and so I've been coaching ever since. And of course, right, we always specialize in what we know best, right? And you overcome something that so many people struggle with, including myself. Like when I started to, when I developed an eating disorder in college, and so much of that was related to not being able to manage things like anxiety and stress and, and really big feeling emotions. Would you classify yourself as a highly sensitive person? I actually wouldn't. That's um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I, so the, this book and I forget the, it's the, it's called the highly sensitive person, mm-hmm. phenomenal book. So it wasn't until I read that book that I realized I actually am not in this category. Right? That's actually not surprising to me. Yeah. So, and with anxiety, anxiety is an umbrella Yeah. and everything underneath it, people, we all have the same symptoms, mm-hmm. right? The triggers vary. Yes. So somebody uh, with anxiety, either they are extroverts and, you know, can be out in public and, and give public speeches, mm-hmm. and speak on platforms. And then other people who might fall into like that social anxiety, mm-hmm. it is, it's a reckoning. They can't, they can't even walk into a room of more than 10 people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So with sensitivity, it's interesting because I'm sensitive to people's energies, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sensitive to everything around me. Right. Mm -hmm. I am really good with my boundaries and compartmentalizing. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is what makes me not as highly sensitive as other people Mm -hmm. when I'm anxious then obviously everything gets heightened. So then I am sensitive to sound, uh, smell and touch. But when I'm in a state of calm, then I'm, I'm grounded. I'm good. Oh, that must be so nice. (laughs) So it's a roller coaster, right though? Cause it's not like I've never overcome anxiety. It's, I just bring it with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to manage it. And I think that's the difference is that yeah. I don't know if we ever overcome X, Y, Z, yeah. but we learn how to manage our triggers, our physical triggers, our thought triggers. And that I think is the difference. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, my anxiety comes and goes. Um, and I have a lot, you know, a lot of tools at this point to really manage it when it happens, but my high, my sensitivity does not even on a really good day. It's like, I walk into a room, I feel things like 
I got to be, and it, it's interesting too, because I am extroverted and, you know, I used to be an actress and all those things I can get up in front of people. But on some days it's like walking into too big of a supermarket. I, it's like really overwhelming, like shopping in really big stores. I have a hard time or going into a situation with a lot of people where I don't know a lot of people and there's like a lot of energy, I can get really overwhelmed. So yeah, no. And I think that's, it's, it, I like that distinction, right? Because I think these days so many people are identifying as highly sensitive. And I think a lot of people get grouped into that and things like anxiety get, everything gets grouped into that. And I think there are big differentiations and huge. Yeah. 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 And there's, there's such a misuse of language when it comes to wellness, right? Yes. Like, Oh, like my dress wasn't fitting. I almost had a panic attack. No, you'd be on the floor. You'd be, um, you're debating if you should go to the ER. Like that is not the right use of that term, right? Right. And and it's also people who are triggered. It, right nowadays, everyone's triggered, right? I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Right. And you know, I find it. It's like a it's a disservice to mm-hmm. people that actually have these types of mental challenges. Mm-hmm. That if one person is actually triggered then it gets dismissed. Right. 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 Because of the overuse of words. So it's really interesting where we are now. There's so much more understanding and education, but with that leads to misuse and just grouping people of like, Oh, there's you're Oh, you're so neat. That's your OCD. No, that's not what that is. That is a particularity, right? You are particular on how you want things. OCD, full-blown OCD. You don't want to walk a day in that person's shoes. It's a struggle. Right. Well, it's interesting because I think because of things like social media um, and like everyone's a coach now, there's a lot of like (laughs) self-diagnosis. There's a a lot of self-diagnosis out there, right? And it's funny, even one of my new friends here is always, she is not sure whether she has ADHD, but it's gone down this rabbit hole of like, all kinds of like ADHD TikTok and it's all she talks about. I'm like, just, you know, get a diagnosis, right? Before we start identifying with this stuff. And obviously it's helpful, right? Like, like you said, like you saw this infomercial, you felt seen. And I think that's the good side of social media, but then the bad side is everyone starts to feel like they have everything (laughs) and stops listening to themselves. And that's where the big problem comes. I had to laugh because I, um, so in my twenties, my mom, sent me to a life coach once it was this woman she knew because I basically like came out as wanting, I wanted to quit my hedge fund job. And I was like, I'm going to be an actress. And she was not that into it. And she was like, this is a bad idea. I'm going to send you to a life coach. And I spent like two hours with this life coach who was like, I think you should be an actor. You really want to be. And like almost wrote me a permission slip. But I remember at the end of our session, I was like, so what's this job? Like, this seems kind of cool. <laughs> like, tell me like what's happening. Cause like coaching really wasn't a thing back then. And it was funny because she had started off as a psychiatrist and sort of transferred into it. And it was so funny because she was so, she, she did the opposite to me. She was incredibly dismissive and was like, no, like, this is not like a job you can have. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess not, <laughs> but go be an actress. But I'm, I'm glad that you got encouragement in that direction. Cause I think that's something I would have considered, but also at like 24, I don't know how much life I had in me to be able to coach other people. I was coaching at 24 because uh, that's when I graduated and got certified. No, I'm lying. At 26. 
26, yeah. And I remember this was before Google and Instagram. So my teachers, my business class was like, write your brochure. What's your business card? It's hysterical. And I look back at it now and I just think, what, how it was such a struggle, right? Because it was word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It was you physically going someplace. So my first few years, my my clients were all male. Oh, and interesting. I, what do you think that is? I think it was energetically. Yeah. I just I I tend to have a very strong masculine side, and I think mm-hmm. that's just what I called in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it was also my network of people. So I I coached men in relationships at twenty six, right? But no one knew what I looked like. Okay, because we didn't have any. We didn't have any platforms. We didn't have Google. Was it, was it over stuff. the phone? Yep. Oh, interesting. Yep. And it was, gosh, was those landline? No, that was Blackberry days, right? So it was Blackberry days. And a lot of my clients lived in DC. It was interesting. My bucket was like mad in DC. Interesting. Yeah. And some of those clients actually still have one. It's been, gosh, over 12 years now. Wait, you that's amazing. And I still work with him. Yeah. Because life changes. Right? right. Right. And I met him at one stage of his life and now he's married and he has a kid and it's just, there's life happens. But yes, at that age, the women, the, my teachers were very specific. I looked very young, very, I was a baby. So they were like, don't show your face. Don't tell your age and always take phone. We didn't have any other option, right? It was just a phone session. Right. Um, and that's how I ran my business for the first nine years. And it was as I was doing nightlife. So mm-hmm. I was running nightclubs, coaching during the day, and you had to get your hours to be accredited, X, Y, Z. So I was then coaching other people in the nightclubs. Right? Oh, oh, that's so funny. And a great, I'm sure also a great waitresses, A huge pool, right? And that's really where it kind of all started. And then I was still in corporate America after I left nightlife. Mm-hmm. So I had my coaching on the side. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. always did it as a side hustle. Mm-hmm. So here's one of those tips. Yeah. yeah, 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 please. Sneak in here. If people think that all of a sudden, all overnight, you've just become X, Y, Z, whether yeah. it's an influencer, a coach, yeah. and this, that, that is so untrue. Mm-hmm. There is years, right? that people put in the work mm-hmm. and those are the years you don't see Yeah, because you never see, even let's take actors. You don't see their first jobs and you only know if they make a huge hit movie and they could be 50. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And nobody talks about the 25 years that they were working three jobs living with four other people, but that's the struggle. If you choose a life of Mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. this is the life, right? And it sucks and it's a roller coaster. (laughs) So I did this for years because I needed to make sure I was financially able to go out on my own, start Mm -hmm. my own practice and really know in my heart that I always came back to coaching, Mm -hmm. which I did. Mm -hmm. It was always yeah, this is great. I love my expense account, my 401, my health insurance. I miss those, not gonna lie. <laughs> but I had my side hustle and I never gave up on it. Mm-hmm. And I just kept at it. And that's what people don't see, right? right? So if if people are right now, everybody just wants to quit their job and go into wellness. Right. right? Oh my God. It's a huge uh, 
ask right now for some of my clients, but we live in reality. You gotta pay bills. Mm -hmm. So if it's something you're passionate about, you do it as a side hustle because if it's a side hustle, you gotta want to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. On top of the other crap that we're responsible for. Yeah. So I, I did coaching on the side for years and then I've only been in my private practice where this is all I've done Mm -hmm. for eight years now. Yeah. So coaching for 17 all in Mm -hmm. private eight, eight to nine or something. That's, that's, that's a really helpful thing to share. Yeah. I mean, I, this was only my part-time thing up until about like two, three years ago because I was still acting. Right. And I had yeah. two, I had like two impossible and I was teaching and I had like eight, 85 jobs. I felt like between the two things, but absolutely no, it takes a while. And I think understanding your niche and having confidence and like really understanding like what your spin on all of it takes a minute too. It, it, I would say I didn't own my niche and who I was for years. Cause it just didn't, I felt I felt, who am I to coach on anxiety, right? I didn't have a PhD. Yep. I wasn't accredited by, mm-hmm. you know, ex- whatever was the norm. And then it wasn't until pandemic mm. that it was like, bam, everybody, anxiety, go to church, anxiety, go to church. And then all those years of coaching and hustling and doing what I do, it then finally was like, it, it, it was like all of a sudden the, the curtains opened and people were like, and go. Right. And I didn't take clients for six months. I was booked out. Like I, I had to stop taking clients. And that's when I realized this is me. This is what I own. And it's the, it's the life that I've walked. It's the life that I've lived mm-hmm. the life that I've researched yeah. to, to the umpteenth degree. And that is what makes me great at what I do, because mm-hmm. not only am I understanding about the knowledge, but when I, when I really took the fear away mm-hmm. of what I thought it should look like, mm-hmm. then it changed. Mm-hmm. So my energy around it changed. And then that's what started to attract. That That's so interesting to me too, because when I met you and I'd love to talk a little bit about your book, you already had, you know, you were already an expert in my eyes in the field. Like you had that whole account and you had published a book on it. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about that. That's such a fun journey. It was. So I always saw myself or I put out to the world that I was like this badass, you know, Latina I had shit under control and I did because I was a high functioning, anxious human being. So everything was planned. There was an Excel sheet for that. There was a solution for that. Before Google, I was Google. (laughs) So my friends, if they had a question, they would come to me. If something had to be planned, they came to me. So when I left my last corporate job. And what were you doing in your last corporate job? So I was a marketing manager for Southern Wine and Spirits under the umbrella of Bacardi. So I worked for Bacardi as a market manager for five mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And then my mentor was the president of Bacardi. You just randomly got matched up. And That's amazing. I, That's I, awesome. I, no, it's brutal because then you can't be honest. Like, this sucks the way the company <laughs> right? So he said, I don't want you to be fearful. He was phenomenal. Pete Carr, great man. And he really allowed me to share all the shit and he appreciated it. Oh, that's amazing. 
And then when I said I'm done with, because in that sphere of what I was doing, the only way that you could move up is if you moved states. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, a diehard New Yorker. So <laughs> I, I just said, there's nowhere for me to go. So then they, we, we changed distributors. Then we merged with Southern Wine Spirits. Then he moved me into a great role, making the exact money that I wanted. Everything was like, ah. And then I sat in my office and people kept coming in and sharing their shit, right? Their struggles, their issues. Yep. It was my door was a coaching door. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I cared more about the people than I did about whatever marketing plans and analytics. So right. I just thought, God, I'm not a nine to five analytics person. That's not me. Mm. And when I realized what my door, what, what was happening, I woke up one morning walked in the office and told my boss that I was quitting. Uh, didn't, t- didn't discuss it with anyone, just did it. And then I called one of my best friends at lunch and I said, hey, are you around tonight? Can I just quit my job? She's like, uh-huh, that's funny. No, I, that's what happened today. So I quit the job, but I had planned a trip to Hawaii mm-hmm. previously. Mm-hmm. So who quits their job and then goes to Hawaii? People obviously were like, oh, she's, she's signed on with someone. She's making bank. You know, she's loaded. Um, yeah. Cause like here am I in the, the four seasons, Hawaii with three <laughs> of my really uh, close friends. And I still went on the trip. Obviously it was paid for. And as we were sitting there, we were, I was with a group of creatives, mm-hmm. great, great group of creatives. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys said, you know, I've always had an idea of writing a book on Instagram, but having it be cliff notes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, damn, that's a, that's a great fucking idea. And he said, but I don't have anything to write, but you do. He said, so why don't you take your story, your anxiety, and you run with it? And I said, no, that's no, like that. I can't just take your idea. He said, I'm literally never going to do it. Within 20 minutes, I knew the title. It was a face of anxiety. I, I already, it was already there. Mm-hmm. So that Hawaii trip changed my life. I just saw things in a different way. It's also very earthy and grounding. And yep. I just was like, fuck, man. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I do know that this is happening. So I said, you know what? I'm in a place in life that I can do my coaching. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go full on coach. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write this whatever book on Instagram. And then the book got traction, which was mm-hmm. shocking to me because I didn't think anybody, I figured, eh, maybe I'll get like 100 followers. It ended up being like 20,000 or something back in the I remember, day, right? I remember. Um, and so uh, how did you write it? Were you just writing like, I mean, I remember what it looked like, but when you were parsing it out, did you write it before or were you really writing it block by block? Like post block by, by block. That's block so cool. Block, post by post. Whatever I decided to share that day. It kind of had a flow, but not really. Mm-hmm. And then a media company was like, hey, let's write let's help you write this book. So it's self-published. And I thought, well, this is easy. It's already there, right? Mm -hmm. It was already, it was already built out. So then they were, they, you know, media, I get it. It was kind of a scheme ish, but I needed them. Mm -hmm. So it kind of worked out. Then they gave me the cover and I just thought, this is shite. What is this crap? So I made my own cover. And then I did, and then I pulled, I, I used them for what I needed, but then I did my own fucking everything. Like 
uh, coding and the way it lines, like I put my heart and soul into it. Mm -hmm. And it's not this book that's going to be out in self-help because it's really a memoir. It was, I wrote it for someone like myself Mm -hmm. that was scared and struggling and it's an easy read. Yes. There's probably tons of fucking errors in it, which I don't even care. It's like, here it is Mm -hmm. and go just be out there. And and if it helped one person, then that's worth it. Exactly. Yeah. And people still buy it. And, and it's, I don't add to the account anymore because at some point I was like, "Mm, it's done. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. so now I just, I just put a post saying anything for coaching anxiety, go to my, my personal account. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think, Though, yes, maybe it's not like a traditional self-help book. People's stories like that sometimes are even more profound, right? Where you're reading something or witnessing someone have this experience that you can resonate with and they overcome it. Like that's mind-blowing, right? That can be so healing for people. So I'm sure it helped way more than one person. Yeah. And when I did my book launch, I was what actually was scary with the people that I new in my life, corporate nightlife, everybody that wasn't my core person mm-hmm. was about to find out that I didn't have it together. Oh, right? that's so, that vulnerability is terrifying, right? But I didn't think about this. Even, mm-hmm. I know that sounds silly. I really didn't think through. Mm-hmm. I just like, yeah, pump this book out. Great. And then all of a sudden after the book launch, I was like, oh shit, People might buy this. People might read this. Oh my God. Like, do I contact every boss I had? And, but then my bosses were contacting me Mm. and said, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And the times that you were in distress, I thought you were trying to get out of something. And I was like, Oh no, that was full on panic, puking, fucking. And they were like, I just thought you were being difficult. Oh my gosh. Right. Cause you, you know, some of, especially as women, right. It's in the corporate America trying to make it, you don't want to look soft or, you, you know, so many women are good at swallowing what's going on with them for the benefit of others. So I can only imagine what are some of your symptoms when, you know, if someone is listening to this and they, you know, they're wondering what type of anxiety or, you know, what their relationship with, with anxiety is like, what, what happens to you? So for me personally, my diagnosis is GAD, which is generalized anxiety disorder, panic mm-hmm. disorder, and OCD tendencies. Mm-hmm. So I'm a whole lot of fun. In <laughs> so my symptoms is my heart starts to race. And with panic disorder, it usually unfolds in two ways. One, mm-hmm. you feel as if you're having a heart attack and mm-hmm. your body produces those symptoms. Yep. Or two, you think you're going crazy. I have the I'm going crazy one. So I start to sweat. My body temperature increases where I'm ripping clothes off. When I was younger, I would always throw up. That would be the Mm -hmm. first to go Mm -hmm. through the years. I've been able to really manage that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when it's so bad, I'll start to convulse. So it's Mm -hmm. uncontrollable shaking. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's going to a place that's super unhealthy and I need to reel it in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Everything will run through me since we're in fight or flight. Right. Your body's ready to go into action. Right. So it will release whatever's in your bowel. You'll yep. urinate. So my my stomach is horrible. Mm-hmm. And, and then the thoughts come. 
mm-hmm. what if I go crazy? What if this? What if that? And then it depends on what's happening. So mm-hmm. if I'm triggered by my stomach, which is my biggest trigger. Mm-hmm. So if something doesn't feel right, right. I've eaten something and I feel sick. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it's not a non-anxious person might think, Oh, eh, I have a stomach ache. It'll go away. Mm-hmm. I believe that I have a parasite. I have food poisoning. I'm going to go to the hospital and I'm going to die. Everything mm-hmm. ends in death. Mm-hmm. Right. Same. So mm-hmm. it's catastrophic thinking. I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my stomach is the biggest trigger. And that's where I do all of my work. Um, and then sometimes I can be triggered by watching something. Mm-hmm. If I watch a period piece and I know this is going to sound so erratic, but it's a thing I get, something starts to happen inside me and I'm not able to control it. And I'm in, I'm in panic. Mm-hmm. So there are times that I can get ahead of it and mm-hmm. really talk myself down. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets to a point that I know it could be uh, unhealthy for me, mm-hmm. that's when I would, that's when I have to get uh, my medication. Mm-hmm. Mine, it's funny. I am the other way. So mine is my throat. Uh, and f- anything, if something's spicy and I'm not expecting it, um, because a couple times I had, in my twenties, some early anaphylaxis stuff happening. Mm. So I get triggered by my throat or my mouth being tingly. So if, and for a little while, cause mine, they talk about, there's a correlation between like gut health and inflammation yeah. in the gut and depression, and anxiety. So that's where mine started and really came. like, it started a little bit in college with my eating disorder, but it got really, really bad when my gut was a mess. And I was allergic to a lot of things for a while. So I was getting all these sensations in my, mm. in my tongue, the roof of my mouth for a year or so and my throat. And for years and it, it varied right for a while it was like raw fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds so at a certain point someone was like you can't eat any of those and then it was salmon and then it was different kinds of seafood and it would be really unexpected so to this day if i'm eating fish or something's a little bit spicy, I'll have to be like checking at the table and be like, so that fish was spicy, right guys? And it was, cool. Okay, cool. Because I would, and I remember when it was like a number of different things and I was like still living in New York with my husband, I would have to call him at his law firm and be like, my throat is closing. I'm dying. I'd be sobbing. I'd be sweaty. My heart's racing. I'm like, I'm dying. I'm dying. I can't breathe. And he's like, you're breathing right now. You're talking. And he was really good. He could talk me down. And after a while, after a few years, I would just have to call him and he'd have to pick up and I'd be like, I'm scared. And he'd be like, you good. And I was like, I'm itchy. And he's like, it's okay. You haven't done yet. And like, I, but it took a really long time for me to get there. And now it was like a couple of weeks ago, my parents were in town and we had sushi and something was spicy and I didn't expect it. And I had to be like, guys, that was spicy, right? And they're like, yep. I'm like, okay, I could like prevent it, but I absolutely know what you're talking about. And it's funny because I never think about going crazy, but now I will maybe. Um, but I'm always no, like, it would my throat it is gonna close and yeah, it presented itself different. It, you would it, it's very specific, right? Yeah, and I've had that my whole life. I my first panic attack was probably when I was seven. So I've had this for yeah, my whole life. But what I think is the is the common denominator is when we don't feel in control of our yes. body. Yes. So if something doesn't feel the norm, mm-hmm. we are now acutely aware and scared, and then we got to do all our check-ins, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Am I okay? Mm-hmm. Am I okay? Was it spicy? Uh, did I eat something? Did I? And then you become hypersensitive to it. 
Yeah. Right. And it's because we don't, we want to always be in control where someone who's a non anxious and isn't wired this way mm-hmm. can eat something and go, ah, that's spicy and continue to eat. Right. 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 My new thing too, is like, especially being here, right. I like just moved to a new country. I have all new friends. Like I did it by myself and I've had a couple of incidences where I'm like, okay, is this person that I'm with? So I'm like quietly having a spicy moment. I'm like, is this person with, I'm that I'm with, will they be able to bring me to the ER if I, (laughs) and then I'm like, okay, I think they would. I think they would. Yeah. Well, when I travel, and this has been my whole life, I research where the nearest hospitals are to where I'm staying, right? I need to know the name. I need Mm -hmm. to know how do I get there? I was going to um, South Africa uh, in 2006, Mm -hmm. I want to say, dropped in Kruger National Park where you're in like the bush, right? Uh uh In the middle of nowhere. I didn't have meds at the time. I'm telling you, I, but what saved me is music. So music is my therapy and mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. used music my whole life to get through things. So the safari had no, no electricity. It was like oil lanterns. I made them take a reserve. I made them hook me up to a generator because I had, and this is back when we had those, those big iPods. Mm-hmm. You know, those, yep. 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 With the dial in the, yeah. in the middle. Yep, that the screen. yep. Mm-hmm. And I had to have them hook them, hook that up. That was the only way I survived that trip. And it's like you, you have your things that you need reassurance on. And mm-hmm. that was, th- those are the things. Do I know where my emergencies are? Do I know where my clinics are? Do I know where the hospitals are? And do, can I get access to music? Oh, that's so interesting. I love, yeah, this is a great segue into, you know, what are the things that you need to do day to day to keep it under check? And, and, and what do you do when you start to notice something happening and you, and in moments where you can get ahead of it? So day to day, um, and this is going to sound, uh, counterintuitive because when we are, when we're fearful, we put our energy into that fear, which then makes it stronger. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I make sure that I don't revolve my day, my life around the anxiety. Has my anxiety? Yeah. Has my anxiety? Has yeah. anxiety? Um, I just keep going, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I wake up, I do my morning mindfulness. I think mm-hmm. that's really important. Is and is that your- meditation? What does that look like for you? So my morning mindfulness is I wake up, I have very uh, active, interesting dreams. Mm -hmm. So I look out the window and I spend two minutes. I go through my dreams, decide how do they unfold? Do I have questions about them? Who was in them? And then I check in with my body and my sore, how I just got a tooth extracted. How's that feeling? And then I say, okay, what is it that I need today to Mm -hmm. help motivate me? Right. Mm -hmm. If I wake up and I'm so tired, then I'll say, ooh, can I close my eyes for 15 minutes later today? If I feel like, oh, um, I really want to get my nails done, that'll make me happy. I'll think about that. So it's not a to-do list. Mm-hmm. It's more so like, what do I need? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. your morning rituals and night rituals, I think, are very important for people that tend to be anxious, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. we need structure. Mm-hmm. Um, an idle mind is an anxious mind. So mm-hmm. I do feel that we need to create these practices that you're able to take anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I can take this if I'm at a hotel, if I'm staying at a friend's house, like it needs to be, um, simple. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And people think that like, oh, I need to have this 45 minute meditation practice. Like, no, you, you just have to try to get present with the body Mm -hmm. and not revolve it around whatever illness it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, is my anxiety off the chain today? Is it, how's my depression? Like, cause then you just put more energy into that. Mm -hmm. So on a daily, I love my morning and my night rituals. I always sleep to sounds on, um, insight timer is my Mm -hmm. favorite app. Mm -hmm. So I'll always find, I'll decide like, Oh, do I need, you know, moon series? Do I need nature sounds? Do I need healing vibes? And do you do that with headphones or do you and Charlie both listen? Her husband. Charlie listens to it. He will. So unfortunately I changed his nighttime routine. He sleeps with, with earplugs and a mask. Oh, I'm a mask girl all the way. I gotta have a mask. I gotta have a mask. Which is interesting. I the I can't have something on my face mm. like that. That makes me unsettled. Mm-hmm. So I play the music. Wally loves it. Charlie's not aware of it, and <laughs> that's what that's what like puts me in. And then I use oils. I have essential oils that I rub on my wrists, on the mm-hmm. bottom of my feet. Mm-hmm. And when I'm doing it, I'm like, okay, I just want to wake up rested. I'm not mm-hmm. counting hours. My, mm-hmm. The objective is let's just wake up rested. I don't I care if it's six hours, eight hours. Mm-hmm. That's my goal, right? Yeah, great. And then, and then, so there's a morning routine and a nightly routine. That mm-hmm. is what keeps me a good mental mind body, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the moment when you get triggered, right? When something's happening and you're noticing the anxiety come up, what are, when you have time, when you, you know, have the wherewithal, what, what do you do in those moments? So I have a very specific solution for those, right? So I call it like my anxiety toolkit mm-hmm. and it depends where I'm at. So if let's say I'm at home and I will put on my headphones mm-hmm. and I start to pace, I always have to move. Mm-hmm. I can't be in one yep. spot. So yep. I start to walk and I can't be around people and I can't talk about it. So let's say Charlie is home or I'm around family. I will text him. I'm in it. That's it. Mm. Very straight. And then he knows not mm-hmm. to ask me not to, he, he just says here, if you need me, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I have to rely on myself to get me through these situations. And that's something that I, I really harp on for my clients is you have to be your solution. Mm. You have to be your own reassurance because what if this person isn't reachable? What if you're yeah. not around? What if whatever it is, we have to get better at giving ourselves the safety because that's what is happening if we feel so unsafe. Yeah. So I go through my facts. Okay, mm-hmm. what's happening? Where do I think it came from? So instead of the what if, well, what mm-hmm. if this? What if that? I ask myself, what is my current reality? So where that's am so I right now? Mm-hmm. Trying to get myself grounded. I will also, I have this crystal in my room. I did give it to Charlie and then I kind of stole it back. So (laughs) it's this um, beautiful long crystal and crystals tend to be cold to the touch. Mm -hmm. So trying to get my, my body temperature down, I'll hold it Mm -hmm. while I'm listening to my anxiety playlist, which is all old school hip hop. I love that so so much. I love that so much. I will be listening to hip hop. And what I also like is that, um, I, I know the words, mm-hmm. so I'm focusing on saying the words, either singing it or saying it in my head, because mm-hmm. then I'm not focusing on what is what the anxiety is trying to, to, mm-hmm. to tell mm-hmm. me. Because anxiety mm-hmm. is all based on lies. 
Yeah. Something about it's factual. Yeah. Right. So I stick to the facts. I play my playlist. I do my little walkabout and then I take my crystal. If it's getting really extreme, I might run my wrists under cold water Mm -hmm. or I'll take a damp cloth, uh, wring it out, put it over my face and breathe through it. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I do my breathing exercises, I'm breathing through the cold and then breathing in the cold because Mm -hmm. I'm shifting my brain to not focus on the anxiety for focus on something external versus internal. Mm, great, great, great. Um, that's so helpful for me because I tend to want to talk about it and I don't know if I necessarily need one person, but like in relationships, sometimes like I'm feeling anxious and this is this, I'm kind of scared and that sometimes helps, but that is relying on someone else. And like, well, I think you make a really good point, right? Right. It's like, how could I give that to myself? And it's been really interesting for me because I'm in this interesting growth phase where, I mean, obviously I moved to another country alone. I've never done that before. Um, you know, I'm single and, you know, really fully caring for myself in a way that I never have and running a business. And so much of my childhood wounding is coming up around safety. And I'm revisiting a lot of stuff from childhood that's been coming up. That's been really interesting and a little frustrating. Cause I was like, wait, I thought I dealt with this in therapy in my twenties, right. but I'm being really called to create safety within myself. So I think that's a really beautiful reminder because I, t- I look at my patterning, right. And it's between, you know, friends, families, especially romantic relationships, I was always relying on someone else to try to make me feel safe, but I never really did. Right. And in this moment, I was like, wow, I'm really uncovering the fact that I haven't, you know, due to the nature of my childhood ever really felt safe within myself. And I just think it's such a good reminder where it's like, at the end of the day, you're the only one that can do it, whether it's anxiety, whether it's anything else, like you have to be the one that can soothe yourself. Right. And that's a lesson that I didn't learn until I was 32. So I'd been a serial dater and I always needed reassurance. I always needed the safety net. I was the same, exactly the same. And a lot of people who are anxious function that way. Yeah. Reassurance, reassurance. I'm scared. I'm this, I'm that. When you do the work and you say to yourself, safety is in this, in this vessel, I provide the safety because you're safe no matter where you are. And Mm -hmm. that was what was hard to learn. And when you start to care for yourself and be responsible and accountable for your actions, for your words, for your lifestyle, your finances, all of that. Right. Yeah. But the, what, what helped me is when I was activated, right. When Mm -hmm. I started to feel these sensations, I would write it, I would Mm -hmm. write it down to myself. So I'm writing it to myself and then I'm thinking of what a good solution would be to myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Coaching yourself. So correct. So I'm writing down and I'm saying, okay, this is uh, how I'm feeling. And again, when you're in that heightened state, it's a mess. You're just like, (laughs) and it's all just doesn't make sense, but you're having the conversation with yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And whatever you need to hear, to calm yourself, that is what you would say to yeah. yourself, yeah. right? So now when I get activated, I also rub my left arm mm. and I go, you're okay. You're okay. Mm. I love right. that. Oh, I you're like okay. that a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, and so you'll see, and listen, I have no shame in looking like a fucking crazy person. I don't care. <laughs> Same girl. I was an actor. 
on the street in a plane. I will be there. You're okay. It's okay. You are safe. Nothing like, and then I'll start reminding myself what anxiety does. This is the anxiety. It's fucking lying to you. This is not real. Right. So I just start to repeat that. Mm -hmm. And then when it crosses over, that's when I have to get someone. And that's only, it's only happened three times in the past 15 years. That's That's like shit is hitting the fan. Mm -hmm. That's when I have to medicate, like really medicate. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it happened recently when I was just visiting my parents, I had to wake up my mom. I'm 45 years old. Mm-hmm. I woke up my mom at two in the morning because I was puking. Mm-hmm. And of course, puking to me means I'm done. done yep. Something. yep. So I was like, get up, get up. And she was like, I, I, get myself. What's happening? And she's, she knows what this looks like. I'm convulsing. Mm-hmm. She's making tea. She's trying to open my, my, my med bottle. Cause I was shaking so much. I couldn't open it. And then I was pacing up, down, hallway. And then she, as a mom, was like, do you want to sleep in bed with me? And I was like, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> I got I to get my shit together. I said, I'm just going to medicate. So let me just get, shut it down. And then, of course, she didn't sleep all night because she kept walking in the room, checking oh, on me, which was so mom. sweet. And then the next day, I just back at it and we just went about our life and I think that because I've shared my journey at this point and everybody in my life that's close are aware mm-hmm. of how bad it can get mm-hmm. and that I can handle it mm-hmm. we, it's it's not a talking point we just move the fuck on yeah that's great day. right don't make it a thing it doesn't have yeah. to be right it's just no. something that happened and the more we focus on it the bigger it gets the more it becomes the scary thing right where it's like no this is something occasionally happens it's fine yeah and she i think the only thing she said to me was uh were you able to sleep mm-hmm. and i said like, yeah not i tranquilized myself <laughs> knocked <laughs> myself out so but the the what i will say which i think is important is understanding what your anxiety looks like mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know what it looks like how does it present itself what are the physical triggers? What are the thought triggers? And what is your solution? Mm-hmm. What are the solutions to it? Mm-hmm. And how can you rely on yourself, right? So how many steps can you fulfill before you make that emergency call or mm-hmm. violently wake up your mother, right? It's like, <laughs> what, what are the steps? And there are times where I'll be tapping with Charlie on the foot and I'm like, this means we're, it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. But those instances, it was... I was severely sick. I, I actually, one of them, I had COVID and I had that fun one where you got oh, flu no. poisoning and the flu and all, I couldn't keep anything down. I oh, was, no. it was brutal and I was not okay. So he, but again, he knows exactly what to do. He went into action and we just, and then we move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, drink coffee? I don't remember. I don't, I drink tea. Yeah. Tea. Mm-hmm. And do you find that alcohol, like the next day, makes you more anxious? Yes. However, I am a lover of wine, mm-hmm. and i it, I think it just, it depends on your on the consumption, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Have you eaten enough? Like, if I'm in a state of high anxiety, no, I'm not going to be able to drink because it yep. will I will spiral. Yep. But if I'm like, oh, I've had three meals, like last night, I 
had eaten a lot that day. Mm-hmm. Um, two of my friends were in town um, who don't drink, and I had two glasses of wine. Easy, woke up, easy breezy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. But then there's sometimes, and as a woman, it's hormonal too. So yeah. if I'm PMSing and I drink, I notice that my anxiety is it's going to be heightened because mm-hmm. my hormones are, you know, all in place. I'm also perimenopausal. So that's a whole other fucking crap. <laughs> yep. Navigating that. So it's like, I'm just, but normally when I overheat at night, that could be a trigger for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But now with the perimenopause, I realize if this is happening because I'm hormonal, not, mm-hmm. it's not an anxiety thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm-hmm. what bucket does it live in? And then I rip my clothes off. And then I go to bed. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's funny. Wine in general the next day, although there's some nice natural wines here where it's not happening as much. Like I know if I drink wine, I'll feel sadder and more anxious the next day. But if I drink tequila, I won't. And like, I love coffee, but I am better off when I don't drink it. And like last mm-hmm. night, I didn't get quite enough sleep and I had a coffee this morning and, I'm in, and I was noticing halfway through my day, I'm like, oh, I'm anxious. I'm like, well, I did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's important too, to know how you react to things. Correct. And also to own yeah. why it's happening. Because yes. then it's not like fearful, oh, it's happening again. I had a client yesterday. She came in and I noticed. So I said, are you, are you activated? She said, you know, I went to Pilates. I had a matcha. And I already knew. Why did, in God's green earth, did you have a fucking matcha? Because those <laughs> yeah. are really caffeinated without yes. eating. So she, she was, and I said, you're Okay. You're just going to flush your system out in a few hours. You're going to feel fine. Note to self, never drink matcha or coffee on an empty stomach. Right, right. It's not going to work, right? Um, and also, I am on um, I am on medications daily. So my SSRI mm-hmm. helps with, I don't feel, that's why I'm not anxious mm-hmm. after drinking. Mm-hmm. When I wasn't medicated and I would drink, it would be a problem no matter yeah. what I drink. Do you want to talk a little bit about your medication journey? Because it's, you know, you you get a lot in wellness. You get a lot of people speaking negatively about SSRIs and antidepressants. And while I do think to an extent they can get over uh, prescribed in the U.S., I also think it's really important for people to know that, like, it's also can be a very good idea. A hundred percent. There, it's, it's not a choice. People often think, that some mental illnesses are choices, mm-hmm. right? Oh, well, you just need to think differently. You just need to right. work out more. No, sometimes people are wiring mm-hmm. is wired mm-hmm. in a certain way that makes their central nervous system overly activated. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's also genetic. It can be passed down through your uh, lineage, mm-hmm. uh, whatever the fuck it is. I don't care why it's happening. I know it's happening. Mm-hmm. So for me, my ego for X amount of years as an adult always said, you can do it. You don't need meds. Mm-hmm. Fight through it. Mm-hmm. You've, come, you've gone this far. Mm-hmm. And then my therapist that I was working with at the time asked me a simple question. She said, how much longer do you want to suffer? Mm. Like, How much longer can you take this type of suffering? And it was such a direct question. And I'm not sure why it landed, but I just thought, well, I don't. And she <laughs> said, well, right? Like, I, yeah. nobody like, says I would love to continue to suffer. Right. And she said, well, there's an option, but you're choosing not to take it. And 
as an anxious, we're scared to take everything. I remember yes. you helped me take CBD for the first time. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Is it going to make me high? Am I going to, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I loved it. And I yeah. still use it. Yeah. Ever. So with the med, it was, it really came down to how much longer do I suffer? Mm. And mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. I'm in, right? I'm in. Mm-hmm. Getting on a med journey is difficult. It yeah. gets worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. It is hard. You have to have a very solid support system. Yep. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to know when something feels really wrong mm-hmm. and be able to hang in there when it's uncomfortable. Everybody, I think, has this sense of, oh, I take this and it's a magic pill and this magic pill is going to make everything disappear. Right. If, if we're looking at it from zero to a hundred, medication will take you to 50. Then you got to get it work from 50 to a hundred, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a two part. It's not just, Oh, pop this woo-hoo, rainbows and butterflies. <laughs> no, it's brutal. And there are times where I've gone on and off meds twice. And mm-hmm. the first time I got on meds, I said to one of my good friends who is, is a therapist. She mm-hmm. actually works in, uh, she's a, drugs, something. I don't know. She's the, she's the girl though. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, I can't do this. I just, I don't know. I don't know how much longer. And she was like, listen, this is the battle. This mm-hmm. is the battle. You got to hang in there and they're going to, there's going to be a rainbow side. I thought she was full of shit. And then as I hung in there a couple of weeks later, um, I got to the rainbow side and I thought, damn, is this how people are? Like, is this, are you kidding? I could have had this all these years. I mean, fuck, I transferred four times in college because the anxiety was so intense. I couldn't function. I couldn't, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. It was, I couldn't believe that there was a world that anxiety didn't rule, that there was a world where the chaos was not uncontrollable. Do I still have anxiety? Sure. But I'm not suffering mm-hmm. and I get to travel and I can, I can function. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't find the right therapists, if I didn't have the right people in my life, and if I didn't have medication, I don't know if I'd still be here. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's yeah. a real thing. Yeah, it is. Um, and that happened to me at like 19. I remember calling my sister saying, I don't know if I could do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can be here living like this anymore. This can't be it. This can't be life. Yeah. And she, I don't even know. She just, she appeared within like five minutes and that's when I was still living at home in Long Island. And that's when I knew I was different. I was like, mm. fuck, something's not right. Yeah. And a lot of people feel this way and they feel like they don't have options. Yes. So there are options. And yes. Do I think that there is that people do over prescribe a hundred percent, but for people that are really, truly suffering. Yes. Do I think that it's a game changer? 100%. Um, will I get off meds one day? Maybe. Yeah. And I don't care if I don't. Yep. Yep. No, right? I, I think it, it does need to be destigmatized. De- and I think what you said is incredibly important for people to remember. Like you have to be your own advocate. You have to really listen and trust yourself. And when something doesn't feel right, really think about that. And then you also have to do the work. And I get so many people coming to me who have a myriad of issues in terms of eating and their body and food and gut and all these things. And they're on some sort of antidepressant. I'm like, listen, this will just help support that better. 
right? Mm -hmm. So the more you move and sleep and have healthy relationships and put vegetables in your body, the better it's going to work. So you have to partner with your doctor in that way and to to get the most out of it. Correct. And find the right therapist, right? The right coach, the right people that also are in line with your beliefs Mm -hmm. and their, your, you know, do you believe in their philosophy? Mm -hmm. I love, I had one client when I, I did a consult call and she said, what is your philosophy on coaching? Oh, I was like, that's oh, a great, yeah. no one has asked me that and they should. <laughs> but now in, when I go through my rundown at the end of my, my list of like how the practice works, I say, here's my background. Here's my coaching philosophy. And share it. What is your coaching philosophy for those so who I, heard you and are like, hell yes, I need this woman in my life. So my philosophy, aside from you know, David Rock, who's like the founder of coaching and my background in education research. But I really love the law of attraction, right? Universal Mm -hmm. law. What you Mm -hmm. put Mm -hmm. out is what you get back. Mm -hmm. There is a part to me that is spiritual and I do, we're all energy, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. your energy introduces you way before you do. Mm -hmm. That is just how we live through life. Animals can pick up on it. Little kids can pick up on it. As adults, we get a little tainted and things just become, we're not as attuned to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and highly sensitive people are, yes. right? And empaths are. So it's interesting because you can take these things and use them as superpowers, right? Yes. Because yes. you can read people, you can read rooms. Mm-hmm. But my philosophy really is, okay, so are you are you able to stand behind your words, right? Mm. Are you giving what you're receiving and is it going both ways, right? Cause it can't mm-hmm. just be one-sided just mm-hmm. like, Oh, I go to therapy, but eh, it's not really working. Why isn't it working? Mm-hmm. Why isn't it working? What are you not sharing or what are you not doing? Like we have to be accountable. So yes. the philosophy really is just universal law, simple, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's actually not complicated. The things that I coach on is not mind blowing shit. It is just <laughs> as adults, we forget, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we've been tainted and we've been scarred and all of these things have happened. So we just need to come back to basics again. Yeah. Right? Like our truths. Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree with that more. It's so funny. I, I joke that like part of my job or most of my job is just like begging people to do things that feel good to them or having them really like get connected to what they really want and move in the direction of that. <laughs> Where it's mm-hmm. like, just get out of your own way and let's do things that make you feel good. Cause the more you do that health wise, right. You know, the easier it is to feel better and make better choices. And you know, it, it tends to be quite simple, right? Like bringing people home to themselves. Right. They, it is simple, and I think the simple things are the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? can be very much so. Very and much so. With coaching, yeah, you want your goal is to your you push right. Mm-hmm. You are pushing mm-hmm. someone to be their best selves. Yes, or to get to that place that they want to be. And if they just get out of their way, mm-hmm. there could be a direct line. But that's also undoing years of patterns yes. and thought process yes. and all of the, the stories that they tell themselves. And that's what you're breaking, right? You're mm-hmm. chipping away at that so that they can have a direct line to their truth and authenticity. That's what, that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. What sort of trends are you noticing in co- Like what are a lot of people coming to you with and needing help for these days in terms of coaching? 
let's see. Well, it's always anxiety, right? Yeah. So there's anxiety yep. in everything, business, yep. love, uh, relationships, etc. And lately, what I'm noticing is that there's a lot of my younger demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I coach as young as like 15 now. Mm-hmm. So my younger demographic are trying to be better humans. Mm-hmm. How do they become better friends? I love How do that. They, yes. And I'm noticing that with younger people too, actually. I had like a girl at Cambridge who's like 18. Yeah. Unbelievable. And like even this morning, actually, I had uh, someone in my younger younger demographic who was asking me about friendships Mm. and how to cultivate them, how to show up better. And she's in her early 20s. And it was such a beautiful conversation. It wasn't about business. It wasn't about, it was like, she understood that she wasn't showing up the way she wanted to, mm. and she wanted to feel better in her friendships. I love that. Yeah, it does feel like the younger generation is a bit more conscious. They're more conscious. They can be a little too conscious, right? Like, <laughs> it's like, where's, yes, yes, yes. where's the balance, right? Um, right, right. But, but hey, I still see it as a win because we're still going towards wellness, like mind, body, soul, wellness, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As opposed to too many distractions and, you know, X, Y, Z. But just to, to touch on social media, I love it for the purpose of getting knowledge and, and subjecting yourself to things that you might not have known or see or heard about. Mm-hmm. But then the other side is using it to numb and dull yes. um, and scroll because you're trying to avoid feeling right. Mm -hmm. Or you're trying to fill a void of time. So it's, it's both positive and it's both negative. Right. Yes. And it just, but here's the, here's what I tell my client. It's a choice how you use it. Yes. And that's kind of true about anything, right? Relationships, food, alcohol, all of that stuff can be very good or very bad depending on your relationship to it. Correct. Um, I just, this popped in my head. It's so unrelated. Do you, are you into human design? I just was, I got really curious what your human design was if you subscribe I, at all. So I, I'm not opposed to it. Someone did do it long ago and I just wasn't attracted to it. So yeah. I just don't remember. But yeah. I'm actually doing a panel at my, at my office at Soho Works next Wednesday for anybody who's in New Yorkers. Well, you think it's coming out Tuesday. So you guys, you'll hear. Uh, So one of the panelists is she does human design. So I'm sure I'm going to hear all about it. I wonder who, who is it? Um, her name is Christine. Okay. Pronounce your last name. I think she's new in the field. So I don't know if you would, if it would cross paths, but I don't personally know my human design. Okay. No, I got curious for a second when you were talking. I was like, I wonder, I was like trying to place you. I, yeah, it's something I kind of nerd out on sometimes. Um, so if people are like, this woman sounds interesting. I will actually, before we even go there, I want to talk a little bit about Tuesdays with Trish and where they came oh, from and yeah. what that is. Cause I think it's such a great idea. Okay. So Tuesdays, do you remember Charlie Brown? Of course. Okay. So do you remember? Oh, what, what Actually, that was my biggest sketch on the Tonight Show. I played Lucy and Jimmy Fallon oh. played Charlie Brown. 
and I got to move the phone. Oh my oh, god, I I'll send it that. to you. It's so silly. I'll send it to you. So was Lucy the one in the box? She, uh, Lucy was the one with the who's always uh, being mean to him. She had the brown hair. Right. No, I don't yeah, think yeah, she yeah. did. But there's a there's a box it's selling like, lemonade. No, it was like five cents to. Oh, advice, right? Yeah. It was like yeah. advice. It might have been. It might have so been. So I think it was Lucy. Anyway, so I was in Arizona. I had just quit another corporate job because that was very toxic. And I just said, you know what? No, done. So I was hiking with uh, Charlie and some good uh, family friends. And as we're on this hike, my uh, wealth advisor, John, was like, hey, I wonder where people's stories are. And what, like, why, why are they here on this mountain today? Like, what are they, what are they going through? And I said, you know, you should do that box on Charlie Brown. You should just set up and ask people questions when they walk by. Like, Hey, what brought you here? Hey, where are you from? Cause he's a very outgoing guy. And he said, no, you should do it. And you should do it in New York. Wait, 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 I love that throughout your life you have these moments where people have these great ideas and they're like, Trish, here you go. This is for you. (laughs) Thank you. Right. But I said to him, he should have this little, stands where he like chats to people and he said you should do it like who wouldn't want to talk about xyz and i thought fuck okay and within hours tuesdays with trish appears and i just thought okay i'm gonna have this sign it's gonna be very inconspicuous i was gonna do pop-ups in different parts in the city that was my initial thought Mm-hmm. And then I landed on Madison Square Park, and that was it. I was like, no, we're. I mean, it, that's a great spot. That's a very great space. Such a good that. spot, and it's yeah. central. There's lots of foot traffic, so yeah. I have this sign. It says Tuesdays with Trish. You give me a minute, I'll give you a minute. That's all it says, right? My Instagram's not on there. You have no clue what it is that I do, and I I have this chess clock, which is just a prop, just so people can look at it because it's bright red, and a little notepad. And people come and I don't say, come sit with me. I don't, I don't ask. I'm getting to them energetically. So I don't wear sunglasses. I'm not on my phone. So I'm making direct eye contact with random people at the park for an hour. Can we talk about how brave that is in this day and age where everyone's in their phone, everyone's on sunglasses, everyone's checked the fuck out. Here you are being open and vulnerable, probably really heart centered energy, like welcoming people in. That's incredibly beautiful. It was brutal. Let me tell you, when I first I started it doing this, terrifying. it was really humiliating. And I was like, God, I'm some girl with a sign. And I get it. It's New York, but still, fuck. It. And then if no one sits, you just feel stupid. And so now I don't care. It's now I just, I look at it. It's like, oh, I get to spend an hour in the park on a sunny day. I get some vitamin D. So yesterday I had a street photographer with me which is so funny because the one time I had this photographer, no one sits, right? <laughs> and so ideally you come, you people will say, what is it? They generally think I'm selling something. And mm-hmm. I said, nope, not selling anything. I've been coaching for 17 years for May Mental Health Awareness Month. I've just sat and I bring, I, I allow people to come and sit and you could either vent or you could ask for feedback. You can use my expertise, whatever it is that you need today. Mm, I'm here to provide. Mm -hmm. And they usually get 15 to 20 minutes. If Mm -hmm. there's people waiting, then Mm -hmm. it's 15. Mm -hmm. If no one's waiting, you can almost get a whole 30 and it's free. So that's how it started. And that now I start, I do it every, I started it in May and then I do it throughout the summer, weather Mm -hmm. permitting. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because 
people will walk by and I'll hear them say, oh, that's Tuesdays with Trish, right? Oh, I love that. You become yeah. an, like, an institution in New York. And then the staff at Madison Square Park came up to me yesterday and they were like, what are you doing? Are you selling anything? I was like, no, this is free. This is like, go away. Like, this is, you know, what we should be doing. Yeah, I'm so, connecting. I'm, I'm being a human. A right. I'm working on a new sign because <laughs> my photographer was like, you, you might need more information, right? Like maybe give your expertise. I don't want to, I don't want people to know me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I want it to be people that have no idea who I am, mm-hmm. what I do. Are they willing to sit? How vulnerable will they be? Mm-hmm. Generally it's always men, but in the past two weeks it's been women. Which right. Is great. Uh, I've gone, I mean, 65 year old writers to 18 uh, year olds trying to figure out, their what love is and how to identify it people who have just lost family members i had a couple that was married going through separation they had just left their therapy mm-hmm. and he sat on the bench while she came and sat with me Aww. and it was beautiful and i just hold space and i ask them what they need and i talk to random people and the things that you will say to a stranger is shocking Right. Cause it's like, I'll never see you again. Right. Right. People you are probably so me. honest. Yeah. Men who feel bad about their wives, not being able to conceive mm-hmm. men who feel like they're failures because they don't make enough money. It's just, yeah, let's go. Let's do, let's talk. Oh, how beautiful, how incredibly beautiful. I mean, it must make you on some level stuff like that always makes me love people more, right? Those situations where like you see how similar we all are, no matter what. It's human connection. We can't live without it. Right. And we're all connected. And I, I was telling my photographer, I even figured out like, okay, I have to wear light colors because if I'm in dark colors, people aren't as approachable. Right. Right. And I did the dress down and did the done up and done up. is a little bit better because it feels a little bit more professional. I mean, I've gone every which way sideways to figure out how do people connect right? Like how do I draw them in? That's and so interesting. That's such an interesting like experiment. I love it. Now I don't give a shit if no one sits. I just, I, I just enjoy it. I think it's so wonderful. All right. We always end this podcast asking, you know, how people love through it and you've get given so many amazing tips already, but is there anything, it could be silly. It could be profound off the top of your head when things aren't going well for you or a client or a loved one that you suggest that would help them pivot from a really challenging situation to maybe opening their heart a bit more and maybe reframing or loving through something difficult. Yes. So what I do myself and what I really love, and I think it's such an interesting practice is find someone that you really trust Mm -hmm. someone that can hold space. What is holding space? where you are not giving a solution, you are not giving an opinion, you are not giving feedback, you are there to be an active listener. Mm-hmm. Active listening, which is something we fucking suck at, right? <laughs> That's We're true. Always listening to respond. Hey, what about, oh, well, when this happened to me? No, just hold space. Find someone that the two of you could hold space and do a full-on vet mm. of all the shit that is bothering you, that you are hiding that you don't want to say out loud. It could be finances. It could be the ego. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm struggling. Whatever it is, 
I do this. I've done this with my closest friend. And when we leave each other and there's no judgment and we never talk about it again, Mm -hmm. it's like, give it to me. And I go then she goes, then we sip our wine and then we leave and it never comes up again. But I can go to bed feeling like a weight has been lifted off of me. Right. And it's that practice of, can I just be a hundred percent vulnerable and raw and get the shit off of me because your body will hold on. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And that's all toxicity. And sometimes you just need to let it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. We all, you know, we all should try to cultivate at least one relationship where we can do that. And it was interesting in the coaching program I went to, one of the things they always said is, you know, people will heal themselves by themselves if given the opportunity. And one of the opportunities to do that is just a safe space to, to process that stuff out loud. So that's such an incredible gift. And, you know, we all could, and that was the one thing I, I it was funny because when I went back to school, went to an acting conservatory post university, I, I kept feeling like, well, if I get nothing else out of this, I really know how to deeply listen to other people. I know to sit mm-hmm. and read and listen. And that's like one of those things where you really get to listen to your body and know your body. It's like, everyone should go to acting school for a year at least. I agree. I agree. Maggie Flanagan, especially. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to the Maggie Flanagan studio. Yes, I agree. I think that we are not taught, one, how to deal with our emotions, Mm -hmm. how to use our voice, how to process, how to actually listen, Mm -hmm. right? These are things that you and I know because we study. We go to school and we're like, okay, so as a coach, you have to be an active listener Mm -hmm. and not give advice, right? Like I always have suggestions and ask questions, I, right? Yeah. I ask correct. a lot of questions, questions and then I'm like, do you hear what you just said? <laughs> right. A lot of reflection. You never tell somebody no. what to do unless it's like specific in like tools and et cetera, yes. but yes. it's their journey, right? It's so they need to figure that out. Mm-hmm. It's the same as the anxiety. You have mm-hmm. to figure out how to feel safe in your body. Yep. Absolutely. Right. And that's a skill that we are constantly having to learn and exercise and protect. Right. But we're not taught any of this shit. So if you're not taught this, go out and find ways to learn how mm-hmm. to do this, how mm-hmm. to do the work. Right. So whether it's through a coach or you sign up for XYZ or you buy books that can teach you, I don't care, but just figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such great advice. So people who struggle with anxiety, people who are sort of stuck in relationships, um, anxiety related to all kinds of things, people who want to advance their career. Those are people that should come to you. Who else? Anyone else that you feel like you cater to if they're listening to this and they're like, this is my coach. So I do a lot of self-worth and Mm -hmm. confidence, Mm -hmm. building confidence. I like to call it learning who the fuck you are. Right. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And, and own it. The anxiety, uh, breakups, relationships, job advancements. These are all in within my buckets. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it's something that is related to the body, meaning like, how do you relate to others? How do you relate to yourself? Those are all my favorites. I mean, there's not one bucket that I don't love. And if I don't love it, I don't coach on it. Yeah. Well, and I do find two people just kind of get attracted to you intuitively, right? Generally, Where it's like they resonate. I would say a good 98% of my clients have already, they already know me because my life is so public. 
Yeah. And everything I share on Instagram, they know what my dog looks like. They know my husband. Like they know. Yeah. So, and that's the thing I like about social media is because mm-hmm. you get to know people before you actually have a consult mm-hmm. and they've already decided, do I like this person? Do mm-hmm. I think we're aligned? Mm-hmm. And then it makes my job easier during the consult. Well, you were one of the first people too, cause you were, you know, you're such a Instagram expert, like for years. And I remember you looked at my feed that was like, you know, it's still really, really focused on food. And you're like, I don't even know who you are. Where's your face? You need mm-hmm. to be on here more. Put uh, your face. Uh, You're I you do. You do. You're like, like what is this shit? Get on your Instagram. Yeah. What was your name though? That's what oh, my God. oh my God. Creatively nourishing. And you're like, this fucking sucks. No, get rid of it. Do you know how many people will misspell that? When they say that? Creatively I nourishing. I know. I know. And I remember it was the first tip so I can change your name. Change your name. And I want to see your face. <laughs> I was trying so hard to sound like creative and smart and like really like, oh my God, you were, you were so right and so helpful early on. You're like, get in front of the camera, pictures of you. We need a simpler name. And I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I will give a media tip, right? Here's my social media tip. So with social media, if you have to think too hard on it, it it's not right. Mm. If you have to think too hard about the post, move the fuck on. Right? Oh, I love that. It's about being you, your authentic self mm-hmm. with makeup, mm-hmm. without makeup. Well, if you, if you, there's so much production going involved in it, it's not worth it. Right. Well, it's not authentic. Right. Yeah, right. 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 And people simple. want authenticity. Now they do. Yes. And general, the rule of thumb right now is that you have four seconds to grab someone's attention Four. Before pandemic was eight. Now we have four seconds. Wow. So you're just turning more and more into gold, goldfish. <laughs> it's brutal, but that's my social media tip. All right, fine. Th- then we need to wrap things up with one relationship tip since you are also an expert in that area. Ooh. Okay. So when, so I'm going to give a dating tip. Okay. Because I perfect. feel like perfect. a lot of people are in people that are not in relationships and are dating, mm-hmm. um, especially some of my women that are in the older demographic, show up exactly how you are, mm-hmm. right? Because how you are is that that's the person that's choosing that, right? So it's mm-hmm. like if you show up differently and then five months, six months down the line and, you know, all of a sudden you're like, eh, I don't want to do that because then okay, but that's not who, how you presented yourself. And yeah. then you wonder why the relationship has changed, yeah. right? So don't be afraid to be exactly who you are and have and have zero fucks about it. Yeah. This yeah. is who I am. This is what I stand for. Here are my boundaries. Do you want to go on a date? Do you, do you want to see how this goes? If not, we're good and move on. Right, right. right. And, and to just not be scared to live your true self, I couldn't have been more honest with Charlie yeah. when we were dating. And I was like, by the way, I've been dying sort of pants and he got married. Right? I mean, and, and that was great because what you were, were you 40 when you guys got married? 42. Yeah. 42? Yeah. I met him at 39. So 39, 40, yeah, 42 or 41. Which is great. And that was your first marriage for both of you, right? Both of our first marriage, no children, choosing not to have children. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, I, you don't, you can't age on dating. Right. Yeah, that's so good. You can, that's you can so love good. at any age. You can get married at any age. It's just people, I think more so women mm-hmm. get hung up on, well, I'm this age. Well, I'm this. 
there it's out there yeah. No, it's nice to hear. And what you said resonates so much because I remember like, and I actually was just talking to a girlfriend about this now who's having some marital issues, but I was on my best behavior when I met my husband. I was presenting like, I am this nice girl. That's good to be, you know, you want to marry me. And like, whatever, we were in a 10 year relationship. It was successful, but I didn't fully, well, I, again, I was like 26, so I didn't really know who I was and I wasn't entirely confident in that where I think where you're dating a little bit later is so much better because mm-hmm. you can just show up and be like, this is who the fuck I am. But it was interesting because I got, you know, we separated when I was uh, just turning 36 and there was a whole moment where I was like, who's going to want me now, <laughs> right? Where you have this narrative and it's so terrifying. And yeah. apparently, you know, a, a decent amount of people and still like 20 year old guys. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not a thousand. No, but It's crazy. There is a crazy narrative. And, and I just turned 40 and it was interesting because I was having a bit of an existential crisis around it. Cause it was like, okay, I just moved to a new place and building a new community. I'm single. Like, what does this mean? And it's such a nice reminder. And yeah, at this point I can't be anything but myself anyway. And you would see it if you watched my Instagram for two seconds. <laughs> But so here's, here's a tip. Actually, I hate the word single. I just don't like it. I think that also comes with a narrative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I like people to say is uh, I'm currently not in a relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it single just feels like, Oh, single. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alone. Like it just, it didn't feel good. When I was single, I became single at 31 to Mm -hmm. 39. Right. Mm-hmm. So when people would ask me that question, I would always just say, Oh, currently I'm not in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I will be right. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, it's still out there, but yes, uh, love doesn't fucking come with an age. It doesn't care. It doesn't no, care. So it doesn't. there's, and right now I think women are learning that they don't need a man yes. to feel whole Yes, and they don't need to depend on a man, which is yep. why there's a lot more women who are, older that are currently not in relationships. Yeah. Choosing not to be. Yeah, absolutely. I had that whole journey last year, alive last year. I was like, it was the first time in my life that I really didn't want to be in relationship. And it was the first time that I'd really felt like I found wholeness within myself and Mm -hmm. it took 39 years, but it was like, whoa. And then it was an interesting moment too, because it was like, oh, my life is so nice. Like you got to bring a lot to the table for me to right. want to let you in. And to not go back to the old patterns of, oh, I have a person now. They're going to be my safety, right? Yes. Oh, Which, they're going to be my reassurance. Yes. I am currently and, learning how to navigate. And, and that's what's going to make you such a better communicator and will bring so much more to your relationship because you're like, oh, me? Yeah, I got me. I'm, yeah. This is, I'm in control of this. And then mm. the, the, the beauty will come between the relationship of the two of you because the relationship is the bonus. Yeah. Right? It's not the whole. Yeah. 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 What a beautiful reminder. Ooh, I just got a little free coaching guys. This is so worth it. There you go. <laughs> Listen to this woman. She is amazing. Um, I highly recommend if she resonates with you at all, like reach out to her. Where can people find you? How can they get more of you? So more of me. Instagram, it's at T-B-A-R-I-L-L-A-S. That's at T Barillis. My website is trishbarillis.com. You could also Google me. It'll just, things will pop up. I am currently taking clients and there's a free consult just to see, make sure that we vibe and that we're the right fit. 
perfect. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to catch up and see your beautiful face. And I just think the work that you're doing in the world is important and profound and you sharing your story is incredibly impactful. So thank you for giving us an hour and change of your time. I love you. Well, thank you for having me. Just of listen, course. All day, any day. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Love Through It is hosted by Liana Nielsen and produced by me, Claire Burns. If you're interested in working with Liana as a client, or you're interested in hiring Liana to lead a workshop or be a contributor, you can contact her through her website, healthybyliana.com, or through Instagram at healthybyliana.com.